On this week's show, we're going to talk about driving revenue in your planned maintenance season. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now, this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egia.org show and see what we're doing there and Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. In this week's Q&A, we got a great question about selling accessories during your planned maintenance visits. I want to share the question with you. It says, last year, we performed 938 planned maintenance calls and only sold IAQ on six of those. I can't even do the math, right? There's too many decimal points. My guys tell me they just don't know how to start that conversation and what that conversation should include. Can you help? Yeah, listen, we can totally help. One of the things I'm going to do is turn to our resident expert, Steve Morris. He's going to talk to you about some of the things you can do. I'll also share some ideas with you when we come back because it, there's some simple ways that you can get the homeowner to start initiating that conversation. Because once your techs have the people asking them about indoor air quality products, it's a lot easier. Sometimes our maintenance techs aren't so great at starting the conversation, but once someone asks them about the products, they're more than willing to share that information. So let's check in with Steve Morris. We come back, I'm going to talk to you about another idea that can help you sell more uh, accessories on your planned maintenance calls. Simply add this to the conversation. Hopefully during your call, you're having a conversation with the thermostat. You're asking about hot and cold spots. How long you've been living here? Any other challenges or things that I should be concerned about? Add this to the, the statement or the question to that call. While I'm here today and at no extra charge to you, I'm going to do a thorough inspection of your system. If I discover anything that might affect the performance of your equipment or the health of your family, would you like me to share that with you or just go ahead and fix it? Now, I've heard this statement or this question 15 different ways. You can do it any way you want. Here's what I want you to get across. That you're going to do something special for them over and above. And it's not going to cost them any more money. And it's going to be a benefit for them because you're going to check for things that affect the performance of their equipment and the health of their family. And all you're asking at the end, if I discover anything, do you want me to share it with you or not? There's not many people that say, you know, if something's broken or not working, it's going to affect my health and my family, you know, cause me to overpay the utility company. Nah, don't tell me about it. They're going to, they might say not go ahead and fix it. Now, if you've had a client for 20, 30 years and they say, you know what? You've been here for 20, 30 years doing my maintenance. Go ahead and fix it. Most people are going to say, you know what? Just kind of share that with you. I'd like to know. So if they'd like to know, now it becomes your obligation to share the information with them. But you can see how you set the stage to talk about things during the diagnostic stage. There's a system here. We're just adding a couple little tweaks to how to work the service and maintenance call. Observations, that's the next thing. You've asked them permission to go observe things. Now you better go observe them. Okay, the things you're going to look for. What observations and discoveries are you going to look for on the call? You're going to look for things that address the three phases of contamination in the air. Know how it affects the performance equipment and know how it affects the, the family's health. You've got to internalize that. That might take a little bit of study, but it's not long. Most of it we covered in a technical session. But understand it so that you can observe it and then explain it to a homeowner. And then you, um, you, they have to see what you have to see. You just can't come up to the stairs and say, hey, don't remember I told you if I found anything, your system's all, it's all messed up. It's got all this dust and debris. Oh, really? You know, show it to them. Take a picture. Take a video. We all got it on our, our phones today. 
bring them down and show it themselves. Show it to them themselves. And it's a transition statement. It goes something like this. Hey, Tom and Sally, do you have a minute to check something out with me? Remember when I asked you if I discovered anything that affects the performance of your equipment or the health of your family, and you said you wanted me to share that with you? Well, let's take a look at something here that I want to share with you. Very simple. Take this little phrase here, build it into your service call. Change it into your own words. You, don't, you might take it verbatim, or you might have a way of tweaking it that's comfortable for you. All I'm saying is, ask the question at the thermostat or in your, after your meet and greet, set the stage. Now that you've set the stage, you're gonna observe things, bring that to the attention of the homeowner, and let them see what you see. That's some great information from Steve Morris there in terms of getting the conversation started. I can tell you in my company, what we did is we developed what we call the handoff sheet. It was just an eight and a half by 11 sheet with images and descriptions, some pictures of various IAQ products. No pricing on that sheet. So maybe a thermostat, a humidifier, indoor air cooler, that type of thing. And when we went to start the maintenance, we would hand that sheet off to the homeowner and say, hey, by the way, here's some other products and services we offer. Feel free to take a look. If you have any questions, let me know. And there's no pricing on there. So, you know, the tech goes off to do his maintenance. Now the homeowner has that sheet. It's not uncommon that when a tech comes back to the homeowner, the homeowner says, hey, how much is a new thermostat or how much is a humidifier, whatever it is. The bottom line, that can help getting the conversation started. Here is Steve Morris again talking about what to do once you get that conversation started. The next thing you do is you have to communicate it. Transfer what you believe to someone else. How many times have I said that? You gotta internalize this belief, get excited about it, and with passion say, I know how I can take care of this problem. Know the how to make the observations and challenges that you've found. When you find them, how do we communicate it to a homeowner? The solutions have to be given to the homeowner. You can't go through all this and not have solutions. And we'll get into that in the solution stage. It's all about show and tell. You know, show them you've asked permission, now you show it to them, and you tell them what the challenges are and that you have solutions for them. And you gotta do it in layman's terms. One of the challenges that technicians have is they've learned technical information and they wanna talk technical to the homeowner and it goes over their head. Once you understand how to give analogies and give it in layman's terms, then they start to understand. This is the understanding and communication stage here. So here's a transition question for better filters and air cleaners. I get asked quite often, you know, we, I get all this technical information, I'm not sure when to talk about it in the call, and now, okay, I do get when to talk about it during a call, but what do I say? You make it simple. Say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you see all the buildup in here? Well, this passed right through your filter. It's affecting the equipment's performance, and studies show that it may be causing you to overpay the utility company and may cause unnecessary breakdowns and shorten the life of the unit. I can take care of this today. That means you're gonna be able to clean it and maintain it and fix it today. Yet, is there any reason why you wouldn't want a better filter or a proper air cleaner to prevent this from happening in the future? We're seeing it now. We know the filter's broken because the stuff's going through it. I can take care of it today, duct cleaning, coil cleaning, blower wheel cleaning, whatever it takes to clean it. How about if I prevent it from happening in the future? So you can experience the system working at peak efficiency all year round, not just a few days after I'm here after my maintenance. If you ask the question that way, is there any reason why you wouldn't want a better filter or a proper air cleaner to take care of this today? Or to, I'm saying, to prevent it from happening in the future? Most people aren't gonna say, you know what, I like that dirt, dust, and debris in here. Ah, just leave it in there. 
Now they might say, and they probably will, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting, I'm, I'm interested, but what does it cost? I'm gonna address the what does it cost question later. As Steve mentions in that clip, you wanna make sure and don't like get too technical with your homeowner, right? We don't wanna confuse them. If you wanna know what it sounds like sometimes or feels like to be a homeowner with somebody talking about super healing and subcooling and superconducting and whatever it is, I want you to take a look at this guy. And if this guy confuses you, don't be this guy to your homeowner. For a number of years now, work has been proceeding in order to bring perfection to the crudely conceived idea of a transmission that would not only supply inverse reactive current for use in unilateral phase detractors, but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal grammeters. Such an instrument is the turboencabulator. Now basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes, it is produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance and capacitive directance. The original machine had a base plate of pre-famulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fam. The latter consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o delta type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator. Every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the Grammys. The turboencabulator has now reached a high level of development and it's being successfully used in the operation of nofertrunions. Moreover, whenever a fluorescent score motion is required, it may also be employed in conjunction with a drawn reciprocation dingle arm to reduce sinusoidal replenition. It's not cheap, but I'm sure the government will buy it. Just so you know, this is part one because next week we're going to have Steve back and talk about how you can package IAQ products together and sell them as a bundle. He's also going to share one of his simplest closing lines ever. On this week's Ask the Experts call, we got a great question in about, you know, how do you increase your close rates? It's a very basic question, a very basic idea, but how do you get those close rates higher? Check out this discussion with myself, Drew Cameron, and Gary Ellix. All right, well then my salesmen close at about 35% to 40%. I really feel like they're wasting a lot of my leads. I pay them good commission. Do you have any ideas on how to get my closing rates higher? Yes, yes I do. I have many ideas and I'm sure Drew and Gary do as well. Uh, there's a couple of things in the question uh, that kind of jump out at me. Number one, I hope we're talking about marketed leads here because if we're closing 35 to 40% on marketed leads, you're at least in the right conversation. If you're on tech turnover leads, you're getting destroyed. So I hope we're talking about marketing leads. Uh, I would say a reasonable goal for marketed leads uh, would be, you know, 45 to 50% would be, you know, uh, a, an attainable goal on marketed leads. So 35 to 40% would be a little bit low. Uh, but here's the thing that jumped out of me. I pay my guys good commission. And I would love to know more about exactly what that means. And, and here's why I say this. I was talking to a client a week or so ago, and he was telling about another company, and they're still paying their sales commission, their guys, a flat 10% off the revenue of the deal. Regardless of the margin, regardless of the profitability, the sales guy gets 10%. I mean, 
So a person with a compensation in a system that's set up like that does not have a huge incentive to worry about selling a ton of a ton of deals because they're going to get 10%. They're going to drop off bids and get three or four out of 10. And if they're getting a flat 10%, they don't have to worry about the margins. They can drop their price and drop off cheap bids and still make, you know, 100, 150 grand a year. So when you say good commission, uh, I'd love to know a little more about what that means exactly, you know, because I think the commissions drive a lot of the behaviors in terms of, of converting sales. If you're paying your guys based on the gross margin of a deal and they really are dropping their price, you know, they're going to pay a price for that in their commissions also. So their commissions are going to be diminished, which gives them incentive to go out and sell a couple more deals, right? If, if they sell a deal for $10,000, it should have been sold for 15 and they still make $1,000. They don't have a ton of incentive to go out and close the next deal. They just keep dropping bids off. It's going to work out for them. So I would make sure that your compensation system is set up to drive the behaviors that you want. Other than that, I mean, the answer is so broad. Again, it gets back to everything we've talked about here today. 35 to 40% is low on marketed leads. It's disastrously low on tech turnover leads. But the, the bottom line is they got to have a sales process, right? And it could be the EGIA process. It could be airtime process. It could be anybody's process. It could be Nextstar's process. The reality is the sales fundamentals are pretty, pretty much routine and fundamental, right? There's some nuances here and there, different things people have. But if they're following a sales process, and in my mind, the sales process consists of kind of four major components. Build a relationship, investigate the problem, solve the problems, and ask for the order. As long as you're doing those four things, then you're following a sales process. Now, there are a lot of things you can do to enhance the relationship building. A lot of techniques you can learn, uh, you know, to, to do the investigation, you know. A lot of different things you can learn to get better at that, but those four components are kind of there. But if we're not doing one of those four or two of those four, then we're missing out on some of the basic fundamentals. So any sales process is going to make sure you're hitting those four fundamentals somewhere along the line, right? Maybe in different orders, maybe with different emphasis, but it, they're going to be hitting it at some point. So what I would suggest is to put everybody, I mean, obviously you're an EGI member if you're on the call, uh, on this call right here. So I would take, we have an online program uh, for the uh, kind of the introductory sales 101 program, which is our core training uh, Drew and his crew are working on kind of an advanced level, kind of a sales 201, which will be taught uh, live around the country later this year and into 2020. Uh, so send your people to those trainings. Take the online version uh, or attend one of the live trainings and then attend the advanced next year, whatever it is. But you got to get the training. You got to have a process that your people are buying into and using. Listen, I don't mean to oversimplify here, but as I write about in, in, in my books, a consistent sales process delivers consistent results. Rat, random sales results come from random sales activities. It's not rocket science. So we got to have some kind of process that they're using uh, 35 to 40%. You know, I'd love to know what the average ticket is because that would impact my opinion on this as well. Uh, but it, it seems a little bit low, even on marketed leads, 45 to 50% should be our target. And, you know, probably 65% to 75% on tech turnover leads, depending on some companies turn over less quality leads within their own company because they're going for volume rather than quality, which, and that's a strategic decision the owners make. But any ideas how to get my guys closing higher rates? Yeah. Attend the training online, attend the training live, read books, study, practice, role play, role play, role play. When you get done, do that, role play some more, you know, and it's just the basics. It's just the fundamentals. It's the blocking and tackling of business and in sales. With that, I'll turn it over to Drew, who's only been selling in this industry about 30 or 35 years, so probably has some pretty good insight. 
thank you. Well, and, and obviously you had some uh, excellent insight there as well. And, and like you said, there's, you know, the question, I mean, a lot of these questions that we get, uh, unfortunately, because we're not, you know, uh, able to get the level of specificity maybe that we feel we need to, to really kind of dive in on the answer here. And, and so prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And so like Weldon suggested, without really knowing what's going on, I mean, you could really have a pricing problem here. You could actually have poor marketing driving a level of poor quality of leads. Uh, you know, maybe you're marketing to the wrong neighborhood and you're, you're the uh, creme de la creme of contractors and you're marketing to, uh, you know, uh, a low budget area or something of that nature. And so there's, there could be a lot of different things that kind of go into why we're at a 35 to 40% closing ratio. For example, I was at a client last week with my business partner and we've been working with them for a, free, for a few years. And when we got there, they were doing about $4 million, uh, sub 30% closing ratio, 12, uh, nine salespeople uh, doing $4 million. Sub 30% closing ratio, average ticket of $4,500. And by all index, uh, indexes or indices, if you will, KPIs, uh, you know, not, not performing well, you know, similar to, you know, to this questioner's, you know, uh, question here. And, and what we found, number one, was pricing. Pricing was so off, was so inflated, uh, because the person who created the prices built every contingency into the price, thinking worst case scenario to the point where they were really, if they brought the job in and they brought it in on time, they would be making 70, 75% margins by every measure, great margins, right? But only if you sell the job and if the guys are actually priced out of the market and they can't sell the jobs, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, you know what those prices were. So we, uh, we replaced uh, the installation manager's pricing with the sales manager's pricing based off of, uh, you know, the overhead model that we teach on the EGIA platform on how to get the prices right. And we put into the scope of work, just the work that had to be done. Anything else was an adder as needed. Uh, so we actually called, we, we called our sales manager, the deflector of fluff because we had to get the fluff out of the price. And then we cut the sales staff by 50%. We took it down to five salespeople. And in the two year process of then, identifying that we had the right people, the right prices. We got the marketing message right as well. The brand promise Gary talked about a little bit earlier, as well as training the right people like Weldon suggested as well, as well as coaching ride-alongs because you can't coach from the locker room. If you're sitting in your business and you're wondering why your people are closing 35 to 40%, the place to find that out is probably in the home on a, on a ride-along, uh, as well as now customer reviews and, and happy checklists and whatnot that you can do too to monitor the performance, or at least at the very, you know, at the very least, have them carry a little MP3 recorder, uh, or nowadays you can probably get a body cam almost. It's probably small enough the size of a button or something like that and, and have them record the process, if you will, and just bring it back for educational purposes. But I like the ride along, uh, myself because that way you can lay your eyes and ears on the, the complete interaction. I, uh, you know, uh, facial expressions, body language, uh, you know, comments, uh, what they do on the call, what they don't do on the call. Because what I have found is that when I, when I do coach salespeople, uh, and I ask them to tell me about the call, a lot of times they'll tell me about the mechanics of the call, like what they did on the call and what the customer did on the call, but it's not a true representation of the emotional flow of the call. And so you can't coach in the locker room. You got to get out there you know, on the ride alongs and, and coach them. And so in, like I say, in a two-year process of doing everything I just suggested, pricing right, right people, uh, got the sales staff right, uh, right brand promise, 
right training and coaching ride-alongs, they, we, you know, the team went from, and I, again, we take no credit for, for what people do because they do it or they don't do it and the company buys in or they don't buy in, but the team uh, went from uh, $4 million, uh, $4,500 ticket, sub 30% closing ratio to a 50% closing ratio, $7,500 average ticket, and went to $8 million in just two years. And, and now we got that staff up to about uh, 12 people plus you know, uh, two additional security salespeople. And they do considerably more than that. And we're able to now replicate, if you will, or that I should say the company's now able to replicate the people by, by now having the right you know, systems, processes, procedures, pricing, uh, marketing, brand promise. Uh, you know, the whole nine yards is in place. And that's scalable now, not only into HVAC, but it's scalable into smart home, home performance plumbing, generators, and of course, as I mentioned a minute ago, security too. Uh, so uh, that's how I would look at things because a lot of people want to go ahead and just train their people. And while Weldon's got a great class and we're building our, our second class for EGIA on sales 2.0, as he suggested, uh, if you don't have the right people, training the wrong people isn't going to get them any better in most cases. Now, if you're a member of the Contract University, don't forget, myself, Gary Ellis, and Drew Cameron do our Ask the Experts calls at 10 a.m. Pacific. I guess that's 1 p.m. on the East Coast. And it's the three of us, Gary, uh, myself, and Drew, answering any questions you have live to just talk about what you're doing with your pricing, with your operations, with your sales, any question you want to ask. So check out the Ask the Experts call 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, get out there and make sure that you're selling accessories during your planned maintenance season, right? You don't want to just do the maintenance. you got to sell different accessories. Also, pay attention on how to get your close rates higher because that's really important. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.